0: Hi, I'm Nick and CEO, President and Director of TriStar Gold. Um, TriStar is developing the Castelo de Sonhos project in central Brazil. And um, right now we have just completed a pre-feasibility study with some great numbers. And we're looking forward to the next phase of moving this towards production now. Nick,
1: welcome. Good to meet you. Um, I was very sorry uh, to miss you at Minds and (laughs) Money. What's the next show that you're going to go to? Well,
0: probably PDAC right now, I think
1: Excellent. we missed the Vancouver ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's hope this, um, this next wave of the virus isn't too um, scary, and we'll see you in, um, in Toronto in March. Yep. So can you just as a kind of quick orientation, can you give us a, a synopsis of the, feasible, the pre-feasibility study that you've just published, kind of the headline numbers?
0: Okay, yeah, so we we upgraded the resources into the study, so we ended up with 1.8 million ounces of indicated resources uh just around a gram or just over a gram, um, and you know, obviously an additional 700,000 ounces of inferred, which we're not allowed to add those numbers together. Um, but, you know, that was the basis for the PFS. Um, from that, we ended up with 1.4 million ounce reserve, 11-year mine life, um, you know, average production for 120,000 ounces a year but i think for us the important thing was that we had a. the heart of the project was for the first six years we call phase one was producing 150,000 ounces a year which is sort of where we feel this project naturally should be and um you know and really really good economics you know 320 million mpv and then 28 post-tax returns. so it's looking really really good and the project still
1: keeps delivering every time we do something to it so and on that pre-feasibility study, are you, um, are you comfortable with, with the outputs? Are you um, optimizing it in any way? Are you tweaking it? Or is it, are you now going to go into delivering the final numbers on what was laid out in that pre-feasibility study? Or are you optimizing kind of certain aspects of it? I think
0: you stop optimizing until you shut the mind to tell the truth so yeah we are optimizing um right now we've got metallurgical samples at, the, at a lab in nevada um and we're looking at the relationship between grind size and recovery we, we went quite conservative in our pfs so we could you know, have a higher degree of certainty that we can achieve the 98% recovery with a finer grind size but now we've got some quite a lot of test work that indicates we could have a coarser grind size and, and not lose much recovery. So we're doing that sort of throughput plan optimization study right now.
1: Okay, good. Um, so I mean yeah,
0: um, we'll keep looking at
1: everything. Um, when I had a look at it, the, the metallurgy looked relatively benign. I mean, there's great recoveries. Um, it's pretty clean, isn't it? No nasties in that. It is. There's not a grade of sulfur, not a grade of sulfide
0: on site that I've seen that's made um, Pretty close to sand and fine gold and
1: it's been silicified, so it's hard. That's about it. Now I've got a personal um preference to see NPV eight numbers. Um, um just because that um I mean theoretically the 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 discount rate that one uses is the should be the risk-free rate of the project or the the working average cost of capital. Um now you've used a five percent discount rate and it's given a kind of pretty chunky um uh NPV 321 but I, I i guess that if you put in an eight percent it would probably come down to um close to 260 which is which is roughly your your kind of your capex build which is fine but am, am i conf- right is, is that about the 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 change can you remember um, on, I, on on the sensitivities? I, I can't
0: remember offhand. I, I know it came. I know it was still strong. We we've got that number. We've got those numbers in sensitivities. We, you know, we obviously ran MPV eight and ten as well. Um, yeah, so it did come down into that range for sure. It sounds close to where
1: where it would have been. I don't remember exactly offhand. Yeah, sorry, so to spring that that, that one on you. Um but, um, when I look at it, because the 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 metallurgy is clean, um, and the mining. In a sense, this becomes a mining and a geology equation. Um, if I look at you know the what you want to be absolutely sure about is the grade, and then the other side of things is you want to be sure about the tons that you're mining because it, it's got um, it's got a, a strip ratio on there, so you've got to mine the 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 um, uh, the ore and the tons in the strip ratio. So it becomes a kind of an earth-moving exercise. Um, Look, can we unpack a few things on on grade first and the resource model, if that's right?
0: Okay, yeah, the resource model. Um, you know, we're, we're very comfortable with it. We're very lucky in the fact that Mike our MVP, literally wrote the book that every geologist has studied. You know, for on resource estimation and GSTAT, so He's Very, very good at what he does. Um, so we don't have any any concerns there. Obviously, as you. You know the, the the trick for us is looking at scale. As you sort of go up, if we're looking at a you know 10,000 tonne a day process, or if we you know if we came back to 5,000 tonne a day, you can get more selectivity. And there was a lot of discussions on equipment selection to how how selective you can be, to what the SMU is going to be. Therefore, that you know goes straight into the grade calculation. But um, I think we're very comfortable with that. We you know we've got to do you know we've done some work on grade continuity. That's part of the same equation. Um, but again, you know, we've had really good predictability out of the deposits, so we're not too too concerned. Um, but I think you know, you're on the right track there. You know, those are, those are
1: the critical issues here. In the geostat se- section of the technical report, um, it talks about a, I think, as a kind of a 30 meter um, confidence range on your. Uh, on the semi-variograms, on the range of the semi-variograms vari- 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 when you get into the kind of the geology side of things or the geostat side of things. And that would indicate that you kind of need um, a drill spacing which suits that. Um, uh, and... In the in the recommendations there's kind of quite a lot of talk about kind of and they're recommending it's 4.6 million dollars worth of drilling it's quite a big infill program and can you remind me what the drill spacing is because I, I I'm, is it 100 meters roughly across the resource 100 meter squares or is it tighter than that It's tighter than that So the
0: r- r- rough, roughly we sort of talk about 100 meter spacing for inferred drilling, 50 meter spacing for the indicated resources so obviously as you move into measured, um, yeah, the only way you can really infill in 50 meters is a 25 meter space drilling. So uh, yeah, I believe that $4.6 million is 25 meter space drilling for the first three years of mine life, you know, to get the first third of process or you
1: pay back on, on proven resources, reserves, sorry. So that's to take um, to say the indicated up to measured. And is it going to bring some of the inferred? Are you going to fill in the 50, the hundreds to fifties and bring some of the inferred into indicated, or is that not really part of the, the, the plan?
0: That's not really part of, that's not really part. This is really just to move this up to a, a bankable feasibility study with, you know, one third of the project or the first three years roughly on measured resources and converting
1: to proven reserves. Okay, great um and then on the mining side of things um there's the of course this is a an analog of taqua, which is um the goldfield's operation in west africa um and when when they started i i, I, just, I think i i visited uh Tarkwa in well i i, I visited taqua in nineteen ninety nine right at the start of operations, and they're still going now and they've gone underground um they they struggled to begin with, um, and you'll benefit from what they learned. Um, obviously, um, because they published papers on it and they've been operating successfully for twenty years. But they struggled with the hardness and with the intercalations of non-mineralized beds. Because these reefs, these 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 placid as you know, they they you have pay pay patches and then barren patches. Um, have you you know? Can you unpack that a bit for me and kind of your relationship with the, what's happening at Tarqua and what you've learned from them and how your how your informs what you're doing at, um, um, yeah, So,
0: absolutely. It would be, you know, obviously, we want to learn as much as we can from, uh, from them and from Jacobina, is the other Paleo Plaza, which is analogous and, um, the three of them were sort of formed at the same time. But we've, um, sort of hired and have on our advisory committee um, Dr. Ray Lipson, who may have even been the chief geologist for Goldfields when you were down there, but he was the chief geologist for them. He now teaches in uh, Denver um, and does some consulting. So he's you know been helping us a lot with everything he learned at his time as the chief geologist covering Taqua. And um, and he's also brought me another expert or two with him to, as consultants to us. So you know obviously you know, as we get into the mining, we'll hope to learn on the mining side, that, you know, as we've been developing it, we've been starting off learning on the geology side, how these beds and, and the reefs you know, align, how they work each other, and how they rework each other at times as well. Um, so yes, yeah, so we've learned a huge amount from Rail Lips and, and, and from what he's brought for us from Taipa. So, and I think we'll hope to continue that as we get into mining. And I mean, obviously that's the next step for us now.
1: What, what's he t- what's he telling in terms of kind of what it feels like what it looks like relative to Tarqua? I mean it, it you know what are the what are the differences and what are the similarities um he says if you took a tray of core you couldn't tell the difference was from what I've heard
0: the and the the attitude within the ground is very very similar um it's you know I mean there's I think it's Idyaprem, is it? the, the sort of adjacent deposit in Tarquin has got some hydrothermal alterations so we haven't sort of you know, we're sort of looking for that, and we're looking for some reworking. But um, from everything I understand, they look very, very similar. I mean, I think the scale—the the, sort of the, the, the size available, the space—is a lot bigger in Taco. So you know, one of the first things you know when I was down at site with Rail, you know, he was we sort of gave him a few days to look around and, and show him, you know, showed him the whole thing, and said, "Okay, what do you think?" You know, and he's like, you know. I can't. I can't see it getting over. Like I can't remember what the number it was had. It was like I can't see it getting over eight million ounces or something like that. There's just not enough space. And we're like, you know, we'll, we'll take that, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, because at that point we were looking, probably had a million or half a million ounces, and we were looking to grow. You know, and we all we've always had this image, t- thought in our head that two to four is sort of the size of this deposit. So, and, and his number was above that. So, look, you're not going to be anywhere, you know, even half as big as Tarqua. And we're like that's fine. You know, a tenth of taco is still 3 million ounces or so, so that's where we want to be and where we think
1: it should be. And um, is is that constrained because it's been deformed into a bowl, so you don't have the kind of the, the – it's, it's been eroded away off the tops rather than having the lateral extent that you'd have a tarque print.
0: Yeah, basically this is just all that's left. It's a little island that's left. The the, the original loop your fan would have extended laterally probably, and that's just – gone somewhere this you know this is was deposited here you know 2.1 billion years ago and probably buried quite deep between then and now and it's come back to the surface but there's only a a remnant of it left so so we probably have i don't know what it is 10 kilometers sort
1: of across but the bowl takes a lot of it too deep to be to be of real interest to us so so, so they're kind of the, the, the bottom bits and so you're just going on an open pit and what, what do those pits kind of pull you down you know how far do your pits go down our drilling is
0: generally generally you know in our grid drilling for resources, 120 meter deep holes vertically um pits generally bottom out and then there and our pits cannot go below the bottom of drilling because of the resource estimations we're using so um 120 meters is basically the bottom i think it's a couple of spots we've pushed it down to 140 but just
1: following a little bit of good grade but in general 120 meters um and and, you know, and, our, and our, sorry go. and the, and the, and then that becomes a kind of a strip ratio game so it kind of goes it pulls down as far as it can be stripped absolutely yeah and and that's also where we look at it is
0: okay we we know that the pits optimize to the bottom of drilling and we could put another line or two of drilling and it would follow it down but we've also got a long strike to go so it's like well why why chase the sort of lower margin stuff deep? We're, we're better drilling laterally you know, and taking more shallow stuff horizontally, because we've still got more drilling, in you know, long log to
1: do. Okay. Well, can we can we come on to the exploration in a in a bit? But just this on the mining of what you've got. Um they I think in Tarqua they're talking about um they were mining within thirty ac- thirty centimeters of accuracy on the hanging wall and twenty centimeters on the foot wall i mean they they got their eye in absolutely and presumably uh your team is going to be taking that similar approach just to really just be i, I mean I, I mean it's slightly different because you're not quite so flat lying i i shouldn't imagine but um it, it, selective mining is that way the way you're going
0: absolutely yeah and and that was sort of went into the, the equipment selection we've gone for the you know obviously they're moving. A lot more material at Arapura than we are, but we've gone with quite with smaller equipment, so we can be more selective in the mining and get down to those sorts of ranges
1: and, you know, in, in, our, in our dilution. And you've got some. Are, do, are you? What about the stripping? Are you using similar sized trucks for the stripping, or are you using kind of bigger, bigger kit to get the the, the strip off?
0: Um, right now for the PFS. Um, I think we used they just had similar style trucks all, all the way through, but I think maybe that that's one of the areas. Once you get a little bit more advanced, you would you would change.
1: Look into the cost benefit of getting that. Um, of the waste, yeah. yeah, mixing up the fleet a bit. What, one of the real challenges
0: for the pre feasibility study was getting accurate costs through during the COVID period. It was um you know the the supply chain issues we've been having. It was it was a
1: challenge getting costs that you felt felt comfortable with either in either direction. Oh, it's, it's, it, I think getting accurate costs is going to be difficult in the year ahead anyway, with inflation and still, I'm not sure we've seen the, the flow through of the changes in material prices, um, into end product prices. Um, I, I don't think that that's settled down yet. So it's going to be, <laughs> I think feasibility study is going to be really hard over the next couple of years, just to get accurate numbers. Yeah, no, I agree completely. So, so what is your schedule on on a feasibility study?
0: Oh, We're still uh, we're doing the optimization now. Obviously, we're doing permitting activities a uh, full steam ahead, and then um, you know it, it's going to take. I think we're applying for our primary license and permit in April, and that we roughly estimate will take eighteen months. You know, if it goes perfectly, it can go quicker, but permitting never does. Um, so 18 months for that. We would hope to get a, the feasibility study done in parallel with that. You know, there's nothing needed out of the, par- the the feasibility study for permitting because we've got the sort of the project tied down well enough for permitting now. Um, so the idea would be to do it in parallel
1: with with, the, with that permit coming through over the next 18 months. And um, coming now to the expiration side of things, to kind of go alongside of that timetable, will you have any money to um, or budget allocated to kind of the growth side of things or in terms of the Um, you know within the feasibility study you're improving the value per tonne are you going to be adding new tons through exploration um that's gonna
0: it's gonna really depend on the fund the funding you know we'd love to we would like to but you know we've got drill programs defined now um we we work with an ai consultant so we you know we've got all of them we sort of focus them on giving us some you know, optimising our drilling for, you know, new exploration for resource growth and for reserve growth. Um, but now we've, you know, it's just a matter of how much money we, we sort of get over the next sort of 12, 18 months and how much we can allocate to that. So it's we would like to. Um, I think I would probably like to grow the reserves a little bit as our first priority. I think that's the easy target. That's the one that adds direct value. Whereas if we identify more inferred resources at the similar grades, I don't think it would add a lot of value to the company. Whereas if we can add to what we call phase one, you know, and add more reserves at over a gram and, you know, and and be producing at 150,000 ounces a year for eight years instead of six years, I think that makes a big difference to the, that will make a big difference to the MBV and the, the value of the project and the company. So that would be the focus, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I, that, that makes perfect sense. Um, what about the? You, you mentioned it depends on the funding situation. So where are you in that process? I and mean, you know, what have you got, and what's the? Um, we got about five
0: and a half million US in the bank right now. Um, so it's sort of plenty. You get plenty to keep going with that permitting and stuff. And um, we are looking at our options now on on the best way to raise a bit more money to to, to get the bankable feasibility study done. So we're sort of looking at options. We don't want to rush to the market when you know when, when things are like they are right now. Um, you know, we've got a um, we've got a few options in front of us. We're just looking at the best way to do it. Um, you know, and one of obviously is get the op- the optimization program out that we're doing for the throughput, see if that you know can get a little bit more attention to us and show people what potential this project really has. Um, you know, above and beyond what we've already published, and see if we can the price up a little bit and maybe give you getting raising money
1: at a higher higher share price. Uh it's been a it's been a tough a tough few months, isn't it, for the gold stocks. My goodness me, everyone's been beaten up a bit. Oh, it's horrible. You know, you put really good news out. I mean I was so happy with the pre-feasibility study and
0: and, and everyone who's sort of seen it has been really happy with it. And yet uh, you speak to the odd investor who doesn't what hasn't you know doesn't read anything in detail and go, well, must have been something wrong because your share price went down. And we're like, no, it just funds, you know, if the funds are getting you know redemptions, they have to sell whatever they can. So that, that's what sort of hit us around the publication of PFS. That's that's all right. I mean, people can buy, people can sell. Um it creates an opportunity for everybody else if there's if there's a cheap, par- cheap price. So there's been quite a bit of insider buying going on right now, as we, as
1: we recognize that ourselves. What's the um, the, the institutional um, kind of support for the company when you talk about fund selling? Have you got um, kind of a, a, a spread of funds on the shareholder register?
0: Yeah, the, I think our core funds who have been with us for a while, US Global, Gold 2000, RBC are you know, all still there, but it's sort of some of the smaller ones who sort of come into a placement and come out again, when they buy a couple of million shares. Um, you know, those guys sort of come and go a bit, bit quicker, but the, but the, you know, the U.S. Globals and Gold 2000s and that, they're,
1: they're solid and supportive all the time. So that's good. Great. Okay. So um, you're cracking on with the, the feasibility study. They'll be submitting for the permitting in um, in April, one hopes. Um, what, can, what, what are the other kind of news items that uh, investors can keep an eye out on kind of the potentially kind of catalysts in the next six to nine months?
0: So I think the, the you know the first thing is going well. It's going to be the the optimisation study on the throughput because obviously that'll add you know change, you know, change the MPV IRRs of the project straight away, um, and that that will be positive coming out in Q1 Q2. It could well be that we do start drilling that we allocate a little bit of money to reserve expansion drilling and start drilling late Q1 or into Q2 as well. You know we are talking to some drillers down there to do that. So there, there'll be the more immediate things, um, and obviously the, the permit filing, and um, and yeah, that's sort of where I think where we'll see ourselves keeping busy for a while.
1: Yeah, and of course, um, most of the people I speak to uh, seem to think that the conditions are right for a, a rise in the gold price. Of course, which would help every every gold developer and um, project.
0: Well, I think the other thing we're seeing, it's because you know, sometimes, uh, you know, especially the, the, the small caps like ourselves, um, don't always move with the gold price. It's, you know, it's, it's a, a different wave sometimes. What, but we are seeing M&A activity starting now. I think we've been waiting for it for a few years and it's starting. I mean, uh, G-Mining bought Token and Zinia, which is about a thousand kilometers north of us just recently. Hothchilds have just bought Amarillo Gold or are buying Amarillo Gold right now in Brazil. Um, Appianite sold to Sabania, or something a plus, plus yep. billion dollar you know, yep. M&A activity in Brazil. So th- there is a lot of stuff happening, and and if you're looking for Latin America or Brazil's the place right now. So you know, and, and I think we're the last junior with a multi million ounce deposit. You know, at that's fairly advanced. So. I think that's that's the positive side that I see as, as, as you know, almost more than the gold price itself. You know, because the producers, even even when we're complaining about gold being down a bit, it's still nearly eighteen hundred dollars. Those producers are still making a lot of money, and um, then they're not replacing their reserves, and there's very few more, very few deposits left in good, permitting
1: locations. So. Yeah, um, no, you're absolutely right. They, um, in in a sense, I wasn't suggesting that the gold price isn't um, uh, a good price today, and, and but it's almost as if the kind of the valuations are being crushed. If you look at the the junior cap stocks in the gold sector, they're all trading at such um, punitive discounts to their net present values or their net asset values. Um, and in a, in a way, what the junior sector needs is that for that discount to be uh, reduced as fresh money comes into the sector, and that, that feeds straight back to your point about yeah getting a few redemptions in the funds, and suddenly everything you know the the whole balloon deflates a bit yeah, but I think also that you you do get that
0: m and a excitement can 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 bring people back in as well uh,
1: absolutely you
0: know, yeah I think we've lo- we lose a few investors, say stagnant for six months, eight months, a year or two, you know, and then they the the sort of the more aggressive investors who would come into gold go to bitcoin or, or the marijuana stocks and because they're a bit more exciting you know <laughs> um so but when the MA activity starts mining it's it really exciting really quick so <clears throat> i think that's what that's what will get us going next year
1: yeah absolutely good well um thank you very much i feel as if i know much more about the project now um are there any a- other aspects that you kind of want to bring out that i kind of i might have missed i think the only thing I, I didn't touch on is you know
0: we said we're getting into permitting and um yeah, but we've done all the, all the baseline. is pretty well complete and there's no red flags. I and mean, it's a great location because it's just farming country. So it's not pristine environment. It's, you know, we sort of take the ESG stuff really seriously and sort of think that, you know, advanced countries like where I am and where you are there, you sort of got to help Brazil develop stuff where they should be developing it and keep their, keep their you know, itinerant workers out of the Amazon. So, you know, we're sort of part of that solution to that problem, I think, and, um, you know, develop it more. In a farming country, it's already previously disturbed and just, you know, damaged by farmers and illegal miners h- historically. So this is a good place to develop an asset in Brazil and it should get permanent easily.
1: Um, yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, the, and the the positive social and economic uh, impact of a mining project like this was um, in a local and a regional context is, is, is so powerful. Um, good. Well, Nick, th- thank you very much. Um, I look forward to hearing more from you n- during the course of next year. Yep, look forward to it as well. Thank you very much. Great. Thanks.